1: If you like tidy stories, then man, 2020 is not for you. As election officials continue counting votes for the presidency and Senate and House races, the 2020 campaign just keeps going like a weighty postmodern novel filled with lengthy digressions, pertinent footnotes, and many unreliable narrators. Twists that go one way and turns that go the other. Here's a few things we do know. More Americans voted than ever before. Former Vice President Joe Biden has already received more votes than any other presidential candidate in history, and he has a few routes to victory in the Electoral College. Races key to control of the Senate are still not called, with Republicans retaining an edge, but there is a real possibility it won't be clear for a while. And while Democrats are on track to retain the majority in the House, they lost key ground at a time they were setting expectations high for big gains. Joining us to try to make a little bit of sense out of the 2020 election are two political animals, Rodeau Molyneux, co-founder and partner at Rock Solutions and a former top aide to Senate Democratic leaders Harry Reid and Tom Daschle, and Liesl Hickey, a partner at Ascent Media and former executive director of the National Republican Congre- Congressional Committee, as well as chief of staff for former Senator Mark Kirk. Rodell Liesl, welcome to political theater. Thanks for having us. Thanks a lot. Rodell, we were uh, just joking a little bit. Uh, we were on a panel right after the 2016 election uh, <laughs> uh, re- results, and uh, you were uh, you were in a, a, a little, little bit different mood um, then than you are now. Why don't we talk a little bit about what we know? Like, let's start with the presidency before we get to some of these sort of broader issues that we wanna talk about with polling and House and Senate races and so forth.
2: Sure. Uh- so I feel as though when we're talking on uh, on Wednesday, the day after the election here, uh, I feel confident that Joe Biden is going to become the next president of the United States. I think that where he is in Michigan and Wisconsin are great. Arizona was a huge pickup for us. Um, you know, that, so was that Nebraska, um, that one congressional district in Nebraska. Yeah, as I'm looking at these Pennsylvania numbers, and this is where the, the kind of the red mirage where, you know, it's data versus instinct, right? Like the Trump's got a pretty big lead. Um, but if you believe the modeling um, and you believe the polling, that's becoming harder and harder to do, especially after last night, um, that the the ballots that have not been counted in Pennsylvania are in the in Philadelphia and the Philadelphia suburbs. And, you know, up until even like the day or two before the election, you know, we were seeing internal data showing Biden up very big, by um, double digits 20, to be quite honest with you, in those, uh, in filling in those suburbs. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see when this is all said and done, the the full picture of Pennsylvania. I fear that uh, we lost more labor support, um, especially among building trades, um, not necessarily in the service and in, in industry uh, unions. And uh, I think might have um, uh, not done as well with white working class voters, as we thought we might. Uh, making this uh, a little bit closer than it necessarily needed to be, but that being said, I still very bullish about uh, Joe Biden's uh, chances of becoming the next president of the United States.
1: And Lisa, uh, you were, you formerly read the uh, House Republicans' campaign arm. Um, there, it doesn't look like they're going to get the majority, but. You know, from your vantage as as being the the uh leading the the staff in, in that organization, the House Republicans have gotta feel fairly good about what happened last night and what continues to happen as they they seem to have gained some ground and, and at at the least sort of injected a lot of uh, uh uncertainty into Democrats and their leadership.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was an unbelievable night for House Republicans, and I think it'll end up being an unbelievable night for Senate Republicans. But yeah, I mean, in the House, I mean, the you know the handicappers all you know had the House as sort of a minus five to maybe even up to like minus fifteen uh, net loss for Republicans, and right now we're at I think you know as of right now tally uh, I think we're at plus seven, which is just absolutely incredible. Um, you know, I think uh, Democrats really—I uh, mean, they really struggled in the open seas where where they had claimed they were going to do very well, especially in Texas. Uh, they haven't beat one incumbent yet, uh, which is huge. Uh, people who are in really tough suburban uh, districts for incumbents, like Ann Wagner in Missouri, you know, won decisively, which was a great win, and and South Florida was just was just. You know, mind-blowing. I mean, picking up those two uh, Miami seats uh, in Florida 26 and Florida 27. Uh, you know that that uh, that I think Democrats were feeling really good about. I mean, it just added to a great night. I mean, there's you know lots of good news all across uh, the country for for House Republicans and and I mean, but mostly and I mean, maybe we'll talk about this a little bit more. But you know, every Republican candidate that flipped uh, a Democrat uh House seat last night was either a woman, a veteran, or a minority, and I think that just speaks to to the dedication of, of the members uh, in, in in expanding uh, their recruitment and getting top tier candidates, you know, in all these uh, tough races.
1: I think one of the big, um, and this isn't a Republican elephant in the room. This is just an elephant elephant in the room. Uh, is is polling. Um, you know, the, going into this last week, um, you know, the, if if you looked at wherever you looked, whether you looked at five thirty-eight, whether you looked at Real Clear Politics, um, any any like public polling, it, it it seemed like things were heading in one direction, and it gave Democrats, uh, you know, basically a lot of confidence that they were going to have a, a really good night. Um, and again, this isn't to take away from the fact that Joe Biden is on track to win a majority in the pub, in the popular vote. Uh, and 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 possibly a, a, an electoral college vote, but like the it seems like polling is this the Charlie Brown football Lucy pulling the, the the football away? Like what? How how are we supposed to approach polling? Not just as political professionals, which we are, um, but as as the public. How should we view these polls in the future? Frank Luntz, in a respected Republican pollster, said public polling, professional political polling, is just in flames right now.
2: Yeah, I, I think that that industry. I think the industry is going to have a reckoning. Um, you know, some of the work that uh, I've been doing this cycle, I think, Jason, as you know, has been with Unite the Country, which is a pro Biden super PAC. So we were both looking at polls, and we were also looking at focus groups. And you know, I, I, I think that moving forward. The, the the use of focus groups i think is it, it we just you because you're seeing a little bit different you know listen you ask people binary questions you're gonna get a binary answer right you know you you have conversations with folks through focus groups and i think you're seeing a little bit uh a, a little bit different i think what's going to be interesting is you know everyone right now they're talking about the polls and they're talking about it in the um uh in the context of the presidential election I think really where there needs to be a reckoning is in some of these races uh, that I think um, blindsided Democrats, uh, especially in the house uh Florida 26 and Florida 27 I think are, are are two right there um it'll be interesting to see you know did we certainly did not see any public polling to suggest um, that either one of those Democrats um, were going to uh, were going to lose. I think another another example of this was in South Carolina. If you look at you know whether they were some internals which uh, which I was privy to, or even any of the public polling, and listen, regardless of whether or not, you know, I think Jamie Harrison always had a an, an uphill shot. But if you're looking at the polling data, it looked as though he was going to be competitive, and therefore you extrapolate from that that Joe Cunningham is still going to be a United States Congressman which of course didn't happen. So the, you know, I, right now people are just talking about this as it pertains to the presidential election. I really think that we need to have com- conversations about how how these polling models and who we're sampling, how this is affecting some of these congressional races. You know, there, there are certainly races that Democrats lost that, you know, I mean, these were in Trump districts. They were places that we won in 2018 um, that are not necessarily typical Democratic strongholds. Um, you know, I hate to say, I hate to say this, and people you know people that run for for Congress don't like to hear this, but in the presidential election years, there's only so much that you can do to get above the din of the back and forth between the two presidential candidates. And I think you know some of the, some of the folks that we uh, that lost, unfortunately, had that problem. Um, but still, I, I think when I look at some of these when I look at some of these races that we lost. And the polling and where they were on like people's meters, lean Democrat, likely Democrat. I think that that's almost more important than what we're seeing on the presidential scale. I'm sure, sure Lisa has a has a thought on that as well.
1: Yeah, Lisa, I, I, I'm curious, like, what, what were some of the biggest surprises for you, uh, particularly in, in these, you know, in these races that we thought were all kind of going one way? They seem to be suggesting that the Democrats were heading for a big night in, or at least a competitive night in, like, South Carolina. And, like, you know, as bo- you both have mentioned, the two Miami-Dade House seats. What were the biggest surprises to you as somebody who's been watching this stuff for a long time?
0: You know, I, I actually, I really agree with, with Rodell in terms of the qualitative uh, research that is needed. In fact, um, I uh, was partnering with par- uh, Public Opinion Strategies, pollster Robert Blizzard, for the last six months. We were doing a uh, qualitative research project with a panel of college-educated suburban voters in these battleground districts, and you really got to sort of the why behind the numbers that you were seeing quantitatively. And then I think that sometimes we forget as like political operatives and practitioners, like the sort of the sophistication of voters, the nuance of voters. And it was, uh, it was just such a fascinating project as in this very like highly emotional election that we were able to pick up these trends and attitudes and perceptions that I think went that, you know, we saw sort of play out last night. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I think having more of that in races is really important, Have really having a conversation with voters, especially in like these, these uh, you know, in these presidential years where, like Rodell said, um, you know, a lot of it, the attention is, is being driven by what is happening at the top of the ticket. But you really got to understand these things when you're in a down ballot race. So that is something that I think, you know, as we go forward, and, you know, and I'm, I also agree. I mean, I, I imagine the pollsters, much like they did in 2016, we'll have to go back and recalibrate and think about, you know, how do you get this right? I mean, at this point, you know, I, I think a lot of the Republican uh, district polling and, and some of the state polling that I saw, I mean, it really was pretty close. Uh, but, the, you know, there were there were clearly misses on, on both sides. And, um, and it'll just be interesting to see how the... How the polling community um, sort of, you know, squares up, I guess, as uh, as they look to the future of their of their craft and how it's going
1: to work. Let's talk about Arizona because, well, because I'm from there. Um, <laughs> um, I I would not have thought. Uh, I, I mean, I grew up there. My parents were both born there, and I grew up in a small town in in Arizona um, before going to high school in Phoenix. And if you would have told me when I was growing up that that not only would a democrat win the state at the at the presidential level and and that wasn't unheard of because bill clinton had done it in 1996 uh, but the both Senate seats <laughs> would be held by by Democrats. I would have said like, <laughs> nice try. Um, but here we are, and and also Democrats might be on the verge of picking up a seat in uh, in the Phoenix area uh, by by knocking off David Schweikert, the Harold Tippernini uh, Democrat who ran against Debbie Lesko in the last uh, last election and came up short. But you know, I I look at it like. I'm curious both of your thoughts about what happened in Arizona, because it, it seems to be that's another thing that caught some people by surprise um, that, you know, that Biden would have, you know, a majority and that, that Mark Kelly. I mean, that that's where the polling did kind of hold up uh, with Mark Kelly. And Kelly seems to be sort of a special case. I mean, he came in with a natural constituency through working with Everytown uh, and being married to a former congresswoman who was a, sort of became a national figure. But um, Rodell, like, tell me your thoughts on on Arizona before we go to to Liesl on it too.
2: Yeah, I, I think a few things. One is that there's certainly a, a changing demographic in um, uh, in Arizona. You know, in 2016, people forget towards the end that um, uh, Secretary Clinton spent some money and some time in Arizona and some people uh, tell you the truth, including myself kind of were head scratching saying, you know, why are we going there when we're not going to certain places? But, you know, I, I think it's one of those stories where um, people on our side were getting it right. You know, where they, where, where they actually saw that, um, that there were shifts and that, um, that we were coming closer and closer and closer to actually flipping the seat. Listen, I think Mark Kelly being a strong candidate and Martha McSally being as as weak as she is, also kind of played into this as well. I was just kind of looking at some numbers. And uh, Mark Wren, um I should say, Senator Senator-elect uh, Kelly um, ran just a little bit ahead of Biden, um, so a little bit of a stronger a, a stronger candidate there. Um, you know, listen, as, as Democrats, I think that, um, and and I understand, I, I understand the, the the reasoning for this. You're always looking at ways to expand the map right? So we've been talking about Texas for a long time. You know, we've been talking about Georgia. We've been talking about Arizona. Um, You know, I I think what we saw last night is that Democrats do have an opportunity to expand the map, that um, it's going to take some time for, I think, some of these other states to go along. And actually, we'll see what, you know, in four years, you know, the, the Arizona vote, I think is both changing demographics. And then also, I think some of it is also Trump fatigue, right? So the, you know, Arizona is not, I would say quote unquote blue. Um, I, I would still say that Arizona is somewhat purple. I would say that Kristen Cinema, for instance, is, and it would be interesting to see that dynamic with cinema and Kelly, because I mean, cinema I think definitely skews more towards the center, um, you know, than, than than many of her colleagues in the center. It will be interesting to see how Kelly votes, but you know, that's something that luckily we won, which gives Biden a cushion to win the presidency. But it's not—I I don't put that in the blue—I co- don't put that in the blue column. I put that in the purple column, and now we're going to have to work to keep it.
1: Yeah, Lisa, I'm I'm curious what you think about Arizona and and the results there. Sort of up and down the ticket.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, Maricopa was always going to be, you know, the, uh, the biggest battleground county in the country.
1: All right, this is a Phoenix area. It's it's uh, people that jokingly call it the state of Maricopa in Arizona.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, it is so massive. Um, and and um, but like to Rodell's point, I mean, I don't think uh, that this is going to be a county that is, should just, you know, that is immediately in the Democrat column. I mean, look how Doug Ducey performed in Maricopa two years yeah, ago.
1: The governor And
0: yeah. I, yeah. And I, uh, you know, I think with a lot of these, uh, you know, big counties that, that include a lot of uh, suburbs, you know, I think I, you know, if the Democrats are, 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 uh, winning them right now. I don't think that's forever. I think they're renting them. Um, and I think you see, you know, Democrats really did try to expand into suburbs in Texas and Missouri and other places, uh, you know, after their 2018 and they were stopped and these sorts of, you know, suburban leaning, uh, counties, I mean, they, they are right of center and I think they'd have to change really dramatically, over the next several years to, to go into the blue column. So, I mean, I totally agree with Rodell. I mean, this is, I, I don't think this is going to be in the, in the blue column forever. In fact, I, I think it could be pretty short lived. And, and, you know, I think people like Kristen Sinema know that, which is why she has tried to position herself. Um, and I'll say tried to position herself. I don't necessarily think she, she is this, <laughs> this person, but she has tried to be in the center because she, you know, she knows uh, the importance of this county and she knows where state is.
1: Yeah I I wonder like also in in a situation like this where you know it it's like Democrats can feel really good about Arizona they can feel good about a couple other states but then you know they 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 seem to have like hit a wall in Texas as you alluded to uh, Rodell um I mean in in so many ways this is uh, very much a, a a split decision election uh i mean even you know like i think a lot of democrats would would take the win you know if if biden you know with with biden over the senate even necessarily um not not that they get to make that choice uh but <laughs> but what does this do to leadership? I mean, you both have worked in in leadership. You've both worked for, you know, some of the best tacticians uh, in Congress. Greg Walden, you worked for, Liesl, and and Rodell, you worked for Tom Daschle and Harry Reid. Um, you know, what what kind of pressure does this put on leadership? I mean, it seems like, you know, McConnell can do no wrong. He's going to be there as long as he wants. Uh, Kevin McCarthy seems, to, seems like there are no more knives out for him uh, at this point. Uh, but if you're Chuck Schumer and you've probably fallen short, and Nancy Pelosi, uh, were, and you didn't deliver, and certainly Sherry Bustos, uh, who you know got a scare uh, in at the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, what what kind of leadership things are are you all going to be looking for in in the coming weeks as as we have leadership elections coming up in a couple weeks in the House.
0: Well, I'll go first because I think ours is going to be pretty easy. I mean, obviously,
1: um,
0: you know, I don't think there are going to be any big leadership shakeups and there shouldn't be. Um, And so, you know, I don't think you'll see a lot of movement um, on our side, but I I don't see how the Democrats aren't forced to think differently after what has happened. I mean, you know, I think especially for the House, uh, I think, you know, Sherry Bustos had said, you know, a couple days before the election or, or maybe as soon as yesterday that, you know, they were positioned to, to pick up a bunch of seats and, the, and they were going to have a really good night. Like she barely won her own district, which by the way, I don't even know if that race is called yet.
1: But- it, um, At the time they, of this podcast, no, it has not officially been called. <laughs> but,
0: right. So, I mean, you know, we'll see if she even holds on, if she even returns to Congress. But um, but it is, uh, uh, I, I don't see how there is not a reckoning there. And, um, you know, there were a lot of seats where they had really- progressive slash radical candidates, uh, in like Nebraska too, um, honestly in Missouri too, and, and lots of races where, um, you know, it, it, it I mean, it, they're caused a really big problem for them. And I think at some point, I would imagine somebody needs to answer for that. But I'll I'll let Rodell answer it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Let's put Rodell back on the spot.
0: (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) Rodell. Thanks, Liesl.
2: I'll start with the Senate because I think it's a little bit easier. Uh, Listen, it's back to the drawing board of, um, you know, I think Senator Schumer does a lot of things very well. Um, one is finding, uh, finding talent to, to recruit for races. So I think that's the first thing that he's going to have to do is kind of look at the map of 2022 and see what's realistic. Um, I think that I, I don't believe that there will be any leadership changes on the, um, in, in, in the Senate side. Um, you know, the way that senators, incumbent senators look at leadership is, it is that is their job to protect them. You know, of course, we lost Doug Jones, but I think everyone, including Doug Jones, knew that that very well is going to be the case the, moment, the day that he was sworn in. We picked up, we didn't pick up as many as we wanted to, but at the same point in time, you know, Schumer did not let his 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 caucus down. Um, so, and that goes, in, and, and you get a lot of credit for that, and you, you get a lot of support. Um, so, I think that, I think on the Democratic side, on the Senate side, that will be, that will be fine. Listen, on the House side... I think a few things. One is that, you know, uh, I said it before and I said it again. it is really hard to maneuver during a presidential campaign. It just is. Um, you know, I think maybe where the reckoning comes is the 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 amount of optimism that House Democrats had in some of these races where it obviously went the uh, um, where, where it went the other way. But now what we're going to be talking about is, should Biden win, and like I said, I believe that he's going to, you're going to have a smaller House majority, you're going to have a very emboldened House minority. And so the question becomes, do you continue to need a slick operator that understands how the levers of power works, like Nancy Pelosi, in order to get Biden, um, to help Biden through these first couple of years? Because, you know, there's only so much that Schumer can do over in the Senate, right? So... I think that's the, the question that House Democrats are going to um, going to be asking themselves. It would not surprise me if uh, Speaker Pelosi was back. Um, and I think she deserves to be back, to be quite honest with you. I mean, she's an adult in the room. And I think that a, 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 I'm sorry, a President Biden is going to need all the help that he can get. Um, so that wouldn't surprise me at all. You know, it's hard for me to say what other, um, you know, others, you know, should there be a sacrificial lamb or two. It's just hard to say at this point how some of these other races, uh, how some of these other races go.
1: And it should be pointed out too that you know neither you know in the in the top three House Democratic leaders, Nancy Pelosi, Steny Hoyer, and and James Clyburn they don't have any opponents in the leadership races right now. So, so if there were, if there was, if there was going to be a a leadership challenge to the top, it would need to be, it would need to happen pretty quickly uh, whether it's somebody like Hakeem Jeffries or, or, or what have you. But at this point, no one seems to have the kind of political, um, you know, kind of experience and, and, and capital that, that those three have. And so it's, 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 It is this weird thing is like, it's still, it's still the same world uh, today that it was yesterday, (laughs) even though we kind of wanted some, I think everybody wanted some kind of sign that there's going to be a big change. Um, Is that, is that fair to put all that uh, on Congress and on politicians uh, to give us this sense of closure?
2: (laughs) I think we're going to have the same, I think we're going to have the same arguments is, um, you know, and and it'll be a retread, especially uh, when it comes to the progressives versus the moderates right? So if you're, um, I, I think it becomes harder. doesn't mean that progressives aren't going to say these things that we need to be bolder. We need to make more chances. Do we take more chances? You know, the blue dogs ranks, unfortunately slimmed out by a little bit this last time, which I actually think in some ways, I think while it's, while it's unfortunate for their, for their ranks, you know, it was, it was good to see um, what was once a very a dwindling uh, segment of the House Democratic Caucus get bigger for their ranks to swell, while well, they've they've gotten knocked down a few pegs. But at the same point, that actually might make them stronger, as you know, as the as the House Democratic as the House Democratic Caucus becomes smaller. But I think that that friction between the centrists and the progressives that doesn't go anywhere. And you know, and if you're if you're a progressive, it's you know. It, it's very easy to say, see, we told you so, we could have done better, we could have done more, we should have gained more if we had been more, well, more progressive, more bold in our approach. And if you're a centrist, you can kind of say, that's all well and nice, but like, it was our people that took the brunt of the, you know, of, of the disappointment on election night. And so, <laughs> you know, like, thank you very much for your, for your take on this, but you know, what what works in you know, your district certainly isn't working in our district and the more we nationalize these races the harder it becomes for some of these you know for for some of these blue, blue dogs to hang on so i think that you're going to continue to see that like play itself out in the um, uh, in the uh, in the house probably a little bit in the senate but not so much in the senate um i think you're going to see but I, I do think you're going to see a lot of that in the house
1: Liesl, i'm i'm curious what you think about um whether because it was the presidential race was you know, relatively close, you know, it's, it's still close. And, and, you know, if, if Trump does indeed lose, does this put off, does this, you know, give Republicans some breathing room to not do, you know, the, the 2020 version of, of, of the, the 2012 autopsy where they sort of reevaluate and say, what, what are, where, what are we doing? Right. What are we doing wrong? Or is it just like, if we just keep doing what we're doing, we'll get the majorities back.
0: Well, I would honestly say if anyone's going to need to do an autopsy after this, it's the Democrats, <laughs> and um, I feel like you know there and Mitch, you know Senator Mitch McConnell uh, mentioned this this morning that you know obviously they're you know we still need to have a focus on on college-educated suburban voters, uh, but 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 I mean we made big gains with Latino voters and, and other minorities, and I really do think that. You know the Democrats should be the ones who are going to need to do a lot of soul searching even if even if Biden does end up pulling this out, which will be once again as you just noted very close but um, I, you know what do it, what is very clear uh, from a lot of the focus group work that that I uh, conducted over the past several months and also even in the quantitative polling. Their issue set is just not where America is. Their agenda is absolutely not where mainstream America is. And we saw the, like, repudiation of that last night. I mean, defund the police, you know, uh, Medicare for all. I mean, just court packing. I mean, go down the list. And, I mean, Americans just overwhelmingly, like, are not there. So, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of, like, oh, the tactics and the polling and the this and the that. And that's how Democrats got it wrong. Honestly, it's just like their agenda is like wrong for America. So I think it's going to be more of their kind of soul searching and how do they, you know, think about what their issue agenda is going to be going forward that actually might, you know, might attract uh, voters.
2: So, shockingly, I would disagree (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're lot to <laughs> <a> disagree right <Rodol.
2: laughs> um listen I, I say this yeah lisa and i have known each other for a long time i consider myself i consider lisa a friend but i also consider herself very a smart smart strategist and a very pragmatic republican and i think lisa knows that this strategy i mean they're apparently listen republicans are gonna, are gonna ride this to the real wheels fall off because long-term the 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 way that they are positioning themselves as a native as a as a nativist racist um, party is not going to help them. Um, you know this is right now this is Trump's party, and to your specific point, Jason. I, so this isn't going to. I, if if I, if I was a Republican, even though you know the 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 hurt might be coming one cycle, two cycles down the road. Who exactly knows? Um, you know th- these are the things that I'm thinking. One is we won seats despite Trump and probably because of Trump, not only despite Trump but actually because of Trump. Um, everything that we might disagree with with Trump, the way that he's run this administration, the divisiveness, so on and so forth, has actually not hurt us in the way that we thought it was going to to, to, to hurt us. So why change? We're closer to a majority and should Biden win, you know, it's the, the 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 history is that it's always bad for um, for members of that party in that next election. So it'd be Democrats in 2012. So why should we change anything? I think that they're going to be more intransigent. It's the same thing over on the Senate side. You know, is that how do you? It's like well, you know, this was supposed to be the year, and I think even even McConnell, if you if you got him, you know, to drink some truth serum believed that if he was going to lose the majority, it was going to be this year. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure they're going to come out and say, Oh, we knew how had it in the bag all the time. And I'd say that's, that's a load of BS. Um, so now if you're the, if if you're a United States Senator, you know, and, um, sorry, a Republican Senator, you continue to have the majority. You have gone through four years of Trump and all of the agony and all of the teeth gnashing and hand wringing and so on and so forth. And yet, you know, you still, you're still in power. So why would you change anything? I think what'll be interesting is should Biden win, you know, in the in the scenario that a lot of people were were looking at, which was that Republicans are going—I'm sorry—Democrats are going to win, run the table. You know, it's going to like we're going to win everywhere, and we're going to have a two, three, four seat, you know, three seat majority in the Senate, and we're going to add add roles, um, add 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 seats on the on the House side. In that scenario the friction was going to be, especially if you believed that the Senate uh, Democrats were going to repeal the filibuster, the friction was going to be between Democrats. It was going to be between Biden and Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and AOC and how far could they push the president on his agenda and so on and so forth and, and, and what have you. I think now, you know, once again, should Biden win, um, you know, the, it, it now becomes this. You've got Joe Biden, and, you know, he's going to start with good favorabilities. I would assume, should, yeah, once again, should you win, which I believe he's going to, that the first two things that he is going to do out of the bat is get the pandemic under control, get the economy back on track, right? Those are the, all the other things on the, on the wish list, I think, need to wait. Those are the two. If you're not focusing on those two things, then I think that's actually political malpractice and it's political malpractice to your, to, to your party. On the Senate Republican side, if you, you know, and McConnell doesn't have to worry about a a race now for another six years if he ever runs again, but I got to tell you, I think that if, if a President Biden plays this well and shows, here are all the things that I'm doing to keep Americans alive and also get you back to work, but I can't get a damn thing done in the United States Senate, I think that that's a fight. That Senate Republicans are probably not gonna want. But, I, but both, I, I shouldn't say whether they want it or not. I think that's a fight that Joe Biden can win.
1: Rodell, we I, I fear that I have taken uh, a, a significant amount of your time uh, in a slight sleep-deprived day, and I really appreciate uh, you both going out on a, on a limb on things that we don't even know, like who the winners are. <laughs> <yet>. <laughs> not, not an easy task, um, but I, I really appreciate it, and uh, I, I, had a, I had a great time talking to the both of you. Uh, today and I, and I hope you come back on the show uh, when uh, you know I don't know maybe we'll need you like on Friday
0: <laughs> who knows <laughs> <laughs> well thanks for having us
2: yeah, thanks for having us our pleasure
1: thanks so much and thanks for listening uh, to political theater